As a business owner of an aquaculture company, how can you take the first step to be profitable and sustainable at the same time? That's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Hello, and welcome to the Business of Aquaculture podcast. This is the podcast for the sustainable business movement in the aqua farming and ocean ranching industries. This podcast aims to amplify the voices of entrepreneurs addressing the United Nations Global Goals, aka Sustainable Development Goals Number 14, to conserve and sustainably use the oceans and the seas. Listen in to fellow business aquaculturists in their journey in this new model of food production of making their business sustainable and help the ocean's ecology while also making a profit all at the same time. Get inspired to learn how even small to medium businesses can make an impact to save the seas, leave a legacy, and have a better quality of life. One of our goals is you take away a nugget of wisdom that will help your business move from the industrial revolution to business 5.0. Our vision is that of collaboration in the aquaculture industry. I'm Lourdes Gant, your host. As a business owner of an aquaculture company, What's the importance of having an aquaculture veterinarian in your team? That's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Welcome to the Business of Aquaculture podcast. This episode, we are happy to have Catherine Smith. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Thank you very much. She is the aquaculture veterinarian for Greg Seafood and is part of the Young Salmon Farmers of BC Group. Yes, that is correct. I would like to start by saying, how did you get into this Uh, into this at all? Uh, let's see. When I was an undergrad, I started in marine biology. So I completed my undergrad in marine biology. Then I did a bit of research um, in pathobiology, and I discovered I liked veterinary medicine a lot. So I went to vet school. And then in my fourth year, I did a rotation out with Greek Seafood. Um, and then they had a job position. I sent my application and I got hired. When you say rotation, what does it mean? Uh, so rotation, so in your fourth year of vet school, at least with the Ontario Vet College, and I think most of them across Canada, uh, basically you do a series of placements. So when I say rotation, it'll be like you might be in a surgery rotation for a week, and then the next week you'd be doing anesthesia, and then you have some electives. So in my elective, I picked aquaculture, and I came out to Greek seafood. Well, I'm glad that you did, because we're happy that you're in the industry. <laughs> Love to be here. <laughs> so maybe tell us as a veterinarian, veterinarian i'm having a problem with this um, pronunciation it's quite a mouthful in the i always o- find that yeah <laughs> in the ocean farm business how do you ensure the health and welfare of the aquatic animals under your care a lot of it comes through surveillance programs so it's a lot of team effort between myself working with the farms or working with the hatchery uh, so for example we do quarterly sampling at our various sea sites so myself and other members of the fish health team will go out we'll take a subset of the mortalities on the farm uh, on the farm and we'll go through and we'll do a series of sampling just to test for some common pathogens and to ensure that our populations are healthy wow it's such a good thing to know about quarterly something i guess you need an updated i guess the status of the animals to know survival rate and mortality eh? yeah and with the starlink and like all these other internet It's much more easy to access the farms nowadays. So, like, we're in constant communication, and they let us know if they see anything that's different. They send us pictures. They send us samples. It's it's truly a great business. So maybe you can describe your approach to disease prevention, management, and treatment in an aquaculture setting. How does that whole thing work? 
For sure. But if there is a disease, we'll get alerted to it. And then myself and, like I said, my coworkers will go and we'll start an investigation. Um, we might go take some samples from fish. So, like I said, usually it's fish that have recently died and we'll go through and we might take samples like liver, heart, spleen, and then we'll send them in for various tests, including PCR, histology, bacteriology. And then once we have our answer, we'll go about treating it. Wow, such a very different um, way of doing things from what I'm used to. I call myself a, a desktop manager because I'm just in the office. So hearing how this is being done in the field is quite amazing. So maybe you can provide examples of your experience in designing and implementing biosecurity protocols to mitigate the risk of disease outbreaks in ocean farms. Ocean farms are actually, yeah. So for ocean farms, I would say a lot of the biosecurity measures have been implemented based on back in the day when there was viral disease outbreaks. So we have a lot of area-based management. Um, that way, like, we're reducing movement between sites. So, like, we have our East Coast versus West Coast. That's kind of a big biosecurity me uh, measure. We can, like, restrict the movement of people as well as equipment, which are quite big vectors. Um, other examples, too, not on the ocean farms, but on the hatchery side of things, is if we have two populations of fish. So let's say that you know, we got fish from a different hatchery or something, we will separate them completely and restrict movement of employees and equipment as well. Uh, so those are kind of the ideas on biosecurity. We might use, we use foot baths at all of our sites. Um, so when we walk in, we have an environmentally safe chemical that you'll dip your boots into and that helps reduce the transmission of disease if there is any. Yeah, we actually do that in our hatchery too. But you were talking about area-based management. Um, I know just based on conversations from the show, um, and you mentioned about East Coast versus West Coast. So maybe you can expand a little bit more on how many, do you have like a density requirement so that there's not too many fish in one area? Do you have something like that? Not so much in one area. I guess we're limited by the number of sites we have there and how much the cage can hold. Because realistically, there's an optimal density uh, at each in each cage. You don't really want to go over that to the help of the fish themselves. So I guess we're reducing densities in that sense. But in general, it's like your area is based on... Uh, we work a lot with the environmental department. So your area is based on water currents and, uh, I guess, proximity to other farms within that. So we kind of try and reduce it to that area. So... For example, Greek has like three different areas and they're just geographically separate. So that's kind of the area-based management. Great, cool. So maybe now that we're talking about it, how do you collaborate with other stakeholders to ensure the highest standards of animal health and biosecurity? Well, like I was saying earlier, a lot of it is really great nowadays with the amount of communication we can do. So I know my company, we like to use Teams a lot when we're doing treatments. So if we're doing any ice treatments or anything like that, we have a big Teams chat going with all the stakeholders including logistics rsc waste coordinators myself um, basically environmental department anyone that could be involved and it's really nice to have that immediate feedback and a quick chat um other ways to involve them yeah emailing is always a good idea i mean that is the one nice thing about the office although i love being on site when you're in the office it's a lot of collaboration between different people in departments so i can just you know walk over and go chat with our environmental specialist and collaborate in that sense yeah, it's still the old principles of communication and teamwork. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. exactly. <laughs> Even at this age, age where everything is a lot more digital. So which leads me to my next question. How do you stay updated on advancements in veterinary practices and technologies relevant to aquaculture? 
Well, I do a lot of reading in my personal time. So, I mean, I get Aquaculture North American, North America, sorry. That's a good one at the Hatchery Magazine. Um, I, ha I subscribe to the Canadian Journal of Veterinary Medicine. Uh, so reading journal articles and just staying up to date is, that way is really important, as well as I attend a lot of conferences and network in that sense. Like, I've met a lot of awesome professors and labs by going to conferences. Like, there's some in the U of A, some in UPEI. So probably those are the ways I mostly stay on top of the new and interesting. Not chat GPT-4. <laughs> no. <laughs> I did that at my coworker tell me what that was, and I was like, oh, neat. <laughs> well, I guess they're not update, as updated yet from the Canadian side of things because I had a subscription for GPT-4, and it's still giving me September 2021 most of the time. So, But oh, maybe, <laughs> well, you, you, you kind of already alluded to this, what, what specific training or professional development activities you undertake to enhance your knowledge and skills in this specialized field. Do you sometimes feel like you find other journals not related to your field sometimes is applicable to? Mm. In what sense do you mean? Just in general? Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, definitely. Like, so, I mean, I come from a veterinary medicine background, but definitely a large part of my job is environmental. So going to that side of things, you know, researching on algae and how, you know, ocean currents and stuff like that is really helpful. So I'd say coming into this job, I didn't realize that would be such an important thing to learn and add on to my knowledge. So that's been really great. Yeah, and I was just wondering, uh, I have a lot of people in my team as well. And most of the time, I just learn from other people what they're subscribed to. And then they just share with me. And then we, I just share with them what I'm subscribed to. Like today, I actually had a mentor talking about the Baines report on how private equity in 2023 has changed from, and this is totally out of topic of veterinarian, but talking about how we learn things from other people. You were talking about teams and communications, how mm -hmm. uh, people are now changing from the private equity who expects their money to be back from six to seven years has now expanded to 10 years. So it got me thinking on, in terms of aquaculture, especially with a very specialized field that you're in veterinary, veterinarian work. Um, I wonder where else you can get information that's not from the veterinary medicine or not even aquaculture for that matter. So that's kind of where my head went when you talked about it. <laughs> gotcha. That makes sense. I know. And then you got me thinking even more about collaboration and like, there's all the stuff about first nations and communications that like, I'm just learning from others and stuff. And that's been awesome. Even the political climate on the West coast versus I've got some friends on the East coast. Like that's all been fascinating. So I guess the news is one too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't subscribe to the news as much because most of the time it's not as quick as Twitter or X now they call it. <laughs> no, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, so, Twitter. Twitter is one. Yeah, there's a large science community on Twitter, which is always, always fun. We were to meet here three years from today. What would have happened so that you'll say that that was the most meaningful three years of my life? That's a better question. I like it. I would say that in three to five years from now, I hope that our political climate has dialed in a little bit and we have some more solid answers on whether on, on the West Coast specifically, if we can invest in the future of aquaculture, which I truly believe in. So ideally, three to five years from now, we've agreed that this is a really awesome industry. We've invested in it and I start to see things like, you know, um, different products added to increase welfare of fish i see projects being funded i see brood programs and genetics and like all these really neat um innovative ideas to move the industry forward start being funded and start seeing results from all the projects that we're working on 
Very good answer. Very good answer. And this is my last question. I have like my son is 13 and he has a buddy who's I think five years younger than he is. And he loved animals and always said he would he will be a veterinarian by the time he grows up. What is your one advice for people who wanted to go into this industry? In the industry of vet med or the industry of aquaculture or both? Um, maybe both. <laughs> maybe both. I'd say for vet med, like if you have a passion for animals, it is an amazing career and I would definitely just pursue it. It can be difficult to get in and frustrating at times, but if you keep on it, like I truly believe most people can go through with it. And then in terms of aquaculture, uh, get out there and work at some of the jobs, start working in aquaculture. I come from Ontario where it was a little bit harder to get into, I'd say. I just didn't really know it was around. And then once I got into school and learned about the West Coast and East Coast, it's like, man, to work on a site um, in your undergrad in some of these places would be phenomenal, especially on Vancouver Island. You're like, the weather, it's just, yeah, so. I was just going to say, you guys have the best work where you're always <laughs> outside. It's so fun. I love swimming in the lakes and, well, water. for and it, That's been a fun thing coming from Ontario because I look at water and I'm like, that should be warm because I'm more used to Algonquin area. And then I not, I mean, I know the Lake Huron and Lake Erie, those are all cold. But then I come out here and it's like, that's the ocean. That's going to be cold. <laughs> <laughs> but it's wonderful, isn't it? It's wonderful. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being on the show, Catherine. My biggest takeaway from our conversation when you were talking about, you know, quarterly sampling, area-based management, obviously getting optimal density and communication in teams. I think these are all um, buzzwords, maybe even just really important verbiage that is in our industry that everybody in business should know about. How can they get in touch with you? Uh, if they'd like to get in touch with me, my email is katherine.smith, so K-A-T-H-R-Y-N dot S-M-I-T-H at greegseafood.ca. Thank you very much. Actually, hold on. I might be dot com. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. I was just like, you know, in a while. Uh, at greekseafood.com. Yeah, it's that. Sounds good. <laughs> well, thank you again for being on the show. Please remember to review the show and see you next week. Remember, you help build a home in the Philippines every time we launch an episode on the podcast. Thanks, Katherine. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thank you for listening, and I hope you are inspired from this episode. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues, and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway from this conversation has been. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us. For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website, www.sustainableaquaculture.ca slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better business in aquaculture.